Hello, I'm Regina Botras and welcome backstage where we talk with theatre makers from actors, directors, writers, theatre heads and beyond about their life in the theatre and how they got to be where they are now. My guest the one and only Amber McMahon is joining me from North by Northwest. Yes, you heard me right, North by Northwest. The Hitchcock classic is hitting the lyric stage. It's directed by Simon Phillips and Amber is the femme fatale. You may have seen her in Stop Girl for Belvoir and Rules for Living for Sydney Theatre Company. Other theatre credits include Dance Nation, Bliss, Atlantis, Twelfth Night, Angels in America and The Power of Yes for Belvoir. Banging Denmark, and Accidental Death of an Anarchist, and The Popular Mechanicals for STC. Girl Asleep and School Dance for Windmill, of which she won Helpman's uh, for Best Supporting Roles. She has stomped many a stage and was also a member of the Sydney Theatre Company Actors Ensemble, appearing in War of the Roses and The Season of Sarsaparilla, by Benedict, directed by Benedict Andrews, Lost Echo, directed by Barry Kosky, Gallipoli, The Art of War, and on and on it goes. She's also been on TV and on the screen. And she's here to talk with me about her life on the stage and her role in this production of North by Northwest, which must be terrifying and thrilling at the same time to take such a classic to the stage. Amber, welcome to Stages. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for coming on. You are the femme fatale or the blonde bombshell in this production. What a role. Before we jump in, I just want to get a sense a little bit about you and you as an actor. Like, where did it all begin? Well, I mean, it's it's uh, quite a surprising entrance to the theatre, really. Um, so, yeah, I was just painfully shy as a little kid and, you know, couldn't speak in front of people and would go red when people were talking to me. And it like, yeah, I just sort of wanted to be invisible, <laughs> really. And my mum uh, put me into an amateur theatre production when I was about eight or seven or something and just as like placard girl in a melodrama so (laughs) the melodrama was called two orphan maidens or virtue wasn't meant to be easy um (laughs) and uh I would you know enter stage left exit stage right with my boo hiss cards and I remember just being like utterly you know terrified side of stage and then going on but like the warmth of the audience and their laughter and you know, that energy that you get from them really sort of transported me to something else. And it was like being alive or awakened for the first time. And then, you know, getting off the stage and still being that, you know, shy, strange, awkward kid. But it was when I was on stage that I was finding this other world that I could be really free in. Wow. And uh, yeah, so it's just sort of like, traveled from there. I wasn't really even going to pursue it as a career. I was doing... um, you know, sort of more thinking about law or um, science, but um, I ended up going to uh, drama school auditions with a friend because I had done drama outside of school because the process was quite rigorous and, you know, callbacks and all that. By the time I got through, I was like, well, (laughs) let's do this. Very pleased that I did. (laughs) Do you still see that little girl or feel that little girl's shyness? Yeah, absolutely. Like I've just become better at managing it and like I do I love people so Mm. it's always been something that's frustrated me that little 
shy person is is still there but I just have greater skills to be able to <laughs> enter into the world with it <laughs> manage her feelings and 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 is it still that kind of there's something about the energy of the stage that transforms you and kind of is it playing the role or is it the audience or is it both I suppose it's another world entirely like you're entering into the sort of universe of the narrative and someone's it sweated out this incredible story, you know, be it the playwright or other visionaries. And you're sort of serving this thing that people are really passionate about putting out into the community that this needs to be said, or this needs to be felt, or we're investigating this, or look at this wild formal style of storytelling or whatever that is. To serve that is really beautiful, but also to see the reactions in the audience, because it's so sort of subconscious a lot of the time you know like Mm. plays stay with people for years and you know they'll think of images or feelings or lines or you know and it's this subtle transformation that happens definitely I was thinking actually when I was reading about like the Barry Kosky I remember seeing that like that's like 20 nearly not quite 20 years ago but a long time ago and there's just that visual and when it popped up I went yes there's that feeling around, yeah, with you don't remember the words or the, you know, maybe the story, but the feeling. Yeah. Yeah. I think that might come into this, especially with North by Northwest. We'll get to that very soon. But I want to ask about your training because I know you tra- tra- trained in New York. And what have you learned over the years through training? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, actually, because, you know, I think we think that drama school training is sort of like the be all and end all of training (laughs) and Mm. you do you I mean like obviously you're discovering you know ways of thinking and study and focus and detail and rigor and discipline all of those things of course are absolutely kind of paramount to creating your work ethic and your process Mm. if you choose to go to drama school but nothing beats what happens when you're in your first working environment professionally because you realise that, I mean, it's actually easier in a sense than drama school because everyone Mm. wants to be there. They're being rewarded by the work itself, but you're learning so much from people across Mm. so many different age groups, but also Mm. histories, you know, and your personal history becomes really important in the work as well. So life experience is a huge thing in art, you know? Um, And so when I did my study, and then got into the actors company I remember going oh this is the education (laughs) like I was just sort of like I had skilled up and then this was the education and it's treading the boards with John Gaydon, Peter Carroll, Pam Rabe, Colin Moody, Dan Spielman, Marta Dusseldorp, Deborah Mailman like unbelievable artists that you learn and it's legacy really I learned legacy and rigor and discipline more so and the extraordinary passion behind these performers. It's a it's a shame that there isn't so many acting companies, ensembles, right? I agree, yeah. Because you you do learn from previous work and I mean we call it show fitness. Everything's a yeah. muscle. <laughs> so if you're yeah. in training, you're you're gonna be in peak mm-hmm. performance if you're continuing to do the thing that you're working at. So mm-hmm. yeah, like you you don't you not only are you sort of building on a skill set, you're sort of building on incredible like shorthand with people on stage as well. So everyone's far more open because we all trust each other and we've gone to strange places to 
tell these stories or become more available emotionally or in terms of accessing, you know, anything that you're accessing, you've got this incredible trust with people that you can go further or at least Mm. know that you're safe in that environment in some way. And again, you know, like we, of course, we jump into every production with that spirit, but you can't beat that fitness over time and just building Mm. upon knowledge you know like Mm. any any industry is going to benefit from that too of working together over time because these stories that you're telling on stage are so diverse but they're worlds that have existed they've had this past that you're seeing it on stage in a moment in time but all the people have had pasts and I think yeah, that I have not thought about that before, but that intimacy of having a group of actors that can bring their history might play into it. Let's talk let's talk about North by Northwest. I am really so excited about it. I just, you know, there's so many talking about the whole picture, there's so many massive scenes in this. If you think about the film, there's Mount Rushmore, there's the train scene, there's the crop dusting scene with the truck, there's driving, winding roads. Like, tell me about the construction, like the, I guess the magic without giving away the magic. Yeah, okay, yeah. Of course, you know, whenever we do this show, everyone always says, how are you going to put a crop duster on stage? How do you climb Mount Rushmore on stage? You know, for me, it's sort of shows the genius of Simon Phillips that he would sort of see this film and go, yep, it's possible. And um, in in saying and doing that, he's developed this incredibly clever tongue-in-cheek way of creating those, you know, iconic cinematic mm. moments that really make use of the gloriousness of theatre. So never do you sit in the audience and go, oh, I wonder why they put this on stage. It's like, yes this has to be on stage as well. Like it, it, you fall in love with the theatre as much as you fall in love with the film in this production. And it's got to do with live manipulation um, and it's got this incredible sense of humour about what it is to adapt a film for the stage. Okay. And then, you know, we, we kind of honour all the nostalgic elements of the film as well. So the aesthetic and the design is, you know, almost identical to that of the film. So... The set is very much a replica or sort of heavily inspired by the opening credits that Saul Bass did, which I think may have even won him an Oscar. Like, I think it did. Yeah. Yes. They're yeah. exquisite. And then the um, all of the costumes are, you know, basically from the film, but they've been made absolutely exquisitely. Like, you know, they're, they're beautiful items in their own right. So you're sort of coming to this sumptuous sensual world when you come to see this show and it's unlike any piece of theatre I've ever done. It's it's honouring the classic but also not pretending it's not. It's yeah nothing's mimicking the film but it's mm. honouring the um the intention and the uh the feeling of it so recognise certain elements but there's nothing like it's still very much alive in the space in in theatre so you know the the relationship between Eve and Roger is, um, you know, of course we're sort of replicating those scenes and, you know, you will recognise those scenes from the film. But inside of that, you know, we've worked very hard to develop what that relationship is between our Roger and Eve and having that alive and all that chemistry and all of those, you know, beautiful undercurrents and the electricity of that relationship, you know, you have to find that 
in reality in your rehearsal room. And so it's been a beautiful journey to kind of go, here's the framework and how do we live and breathe inside of that? And where's, where, do, where do our passions lie inside of that? We're going out to that story in its fullness, but there's also a slight sense of humour about the production as well that goes, we know that we're doing this adaptation. And Hitchcock is all about style and genre. So while we've got all the sort of naturalism in the psychology of the characters, there's also this incredible stylized, there's something very spooky about Hitchcock, like the the stylized nature of it is it's not naturalism, it's sort of heightened. So we're very aware of that as well. So, and that's, that's beautiful and fun to play. And it's really intriguing from the audience. You're like, oh, wow, this is, this is genre. This is a thriller. Yeah. I, in fact, when you were describing the melodrama, like as an eight-year-old carrying those sign across the stage, I can't help but think that's perfectly like apt for this style. There's something of melodrama in Hitchcock, in the music, in, I mean, maybe it's just seeing it now, but yeah, is the music, is the score from the film as well? Or it's read, I mean, yeah. yeah. That Bernard Herrmann soundtrack is just thumping. It's, Oh, like, you know, the swells of it get you going. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's yeah, yeah. unbelievable. Sorry, I was to say Ian <laughs> McDonald, our sound um, designer, he has been so clever in weaving that in and out, but using his own augmentations as well. But, yeah, it's fab. Yeah, it's so recognisable. And all these things, I mean, it's one of the films I've probably seen the most of all films that I've re-watched. It's one that's on. I can't, can't help but watch it. So I'm wondering how you feel about, have you played, Is it because I know this has had incarnations previously and this is the first in Sydney. Have you played it previously? Yeah, so this is yeah. my fifth season of it. Yeah, yeah. so um, I did the original workshop as well, pretty much just thinking yeah. I was a reader because I'm like a brunette and, you know, like I'm, <laughs> I'm usually playing either comic characters or you know like yeah trauma plays or you know so yeah. I, I didn't really <laughs> know exactly how it's going to be used in this but it is so easy to fall in love with these characters and I remember the night before the read I started reading you know the dialogue and like Eve just casts a spell over me you know like and I I was like oh god this character is glorious and the alchemy of those people in the room that day sort of stuck and yeah I've been fortunate enough to be part of every season since um but yeah like just a really complex character not only emotionally but in terms of craft and style tell me a bit more about the complexity of Eve Kendall who you're playing with we should say with David uh, Campbell as Roger Thornhill yeah tell me about her complexity she's kind of constantly playing multiple things at once which Mm. I think is really you know it's, it's fantastic territory to tap into because you know she's got this sort of performative quality to her she's a complete and utter construct in many ways and as an artist creating a character that is a gift (laughs) um and She's incredibly well put together. So she she has thought about absolutely every aspect of how she presents. And then sort of underneath that, you know, her mind is constantly problem solving. So her subtext isn't one line of subtext. It's about 10 lines of subtext. And, of course, you can't play all that, but it's a really interesting psychological space to be in while also presenting imperviously on the outside. So 
you know, no one can really know what she's thinking because she's a, a spy. So, yeah, there's something about the meticulousness of her construct that I find, you know, really intriguing, but also her inner strength and she's fierce and she's strong and yet there's so much vulnerability to her personally as well. So, you know, the fact that Roger somehow gets through and, you know, wins her heart, you know, it shows that there are, you know, chinks in the armour that, you know, that can allow her to be vulnerable and sort of human as well as putting up this incredible facade all the time. Mm. I was thinking about, actually, as you were saying that, the, the difference between film and stage and those big things that we talked about, like Mount Rushmore or the Crop Duster, actually probably work more perfectly for the stage, whereas the subtlety of her, like, complexity is in the close-ups, is in that very close. How is that on stage? Like, how are you physically? It's subtle in the performance because it sort of has to be, but the storytelling around it helps those moments. So, yeah the score itself has all these sorts of motifs and there's an Eve motif as well. So like, and you, you get it sort of, you can't help but kind of understand that when you're watching the, the film, it sounds sort of like, oh, how are you supposed to know that? But it, it's really palpable when you're, you're in the audience. So you kind of go, you know when something is swelling or um, mm. peaking for the characters because the music does it. So you've got all this production support around these moments and of course you know yeah. Nick Schleeper's lighting is you know unbelievably helpful for those moments as well but also we've been finding and I love this stuff because it's you know again you really get to do it but you can find a physical language to support those thoughts and moments and subtleties so even like accentuating certain shapes of the body will help the audience read moments so Mm. you know like a subtle version of a head tilt can might you know might read as confusion but if you just kind of Hitchcock allows you to accentuate those things and so there's this sort of almost choreographic style that goes on that yeah you can sort of ping out those moments in a different way it's not just through thought yeah so because this has had a few runs, have you had many people come up, like many Hitchcockians? It's probably a word for people that are in love with Hitchcock films and respond to you after the show? They love the show. Unfortunately, yeah. yeah, particularly in the last few years, actors don't have a lot of interaction with audience in terms of the geography of the space anymore. Like there are no... You know, like, and I could sort of bang on about this for a while, but theatre bars and foyers used to be alive after the show. And over, like, the last 10 years, you know, whether it's to do with licensing or just staffing or whatever, Mm. those spaces don't exist. And so Mm. the bar might be open for you know, a half an hour after the show or something if you're lucky. And so by the time we get down, we're missing that traffic. And I really sort of, yeah, I, I really miss that yeah. interaction because it's lovely to know how the audience think and feel about the show or ask questions or whatever. And you get it in Q&As mm. and things like that. But we don't have these social spaces after the show where people can cross paths mm. in that way. So, yeah, I mean, like 
we we certainly get that energy from the audience and like taking the curtain call for this show is one of the most beautiful rewards ever you just see all these beaming faces but uh yeah in terms of actual conversations it's very hard to intercept them and it sounds like it's not just COVID it's just the evolution of the stage I think it's just Sydney like or big cities of going it gets expensive to keep these places open afterwards but it's seen as a different cost mm. and I think it's part of the same cost. Like I think the conversation has to extend with strangers. Otherwise, well, I just think it's really beneficial to culture. Like I think if if you can have a conversation about something that you've seen afterwards and enjoy the moment of it instead of going mm. back and paying for the car park yeah. and going straight home yeah. and, you know, telling your partner, it's a different, it's a different thing. Like these conversations have a different way of spreading when there's a space, a social space afterwards to have yeah. them. You said that you were surprised being a brunette. Are you blonding up for it? I can't help but ask. Top deck. <laughs> I can see you on Zoom. We're doing a Zoom. Dye a blonde <laughs> headband around here just for the, the netting of the wig. The but, it's, I mean, again, I love the detail. It's like they use your hairline with the wigs so that it looks so natural and I just love that I'm like someone cares enough to go please go and dye your uh fringe blonde because it will be seen I love it just the 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 the, the things you go to as an actor <laughs> I thought it was just on trend it's just on yeah trend anyway. definitely not I'm, I'm in the street yeah Do you, does that mean that you kind of I don't know what is it about the roles that you are playing you said you kind of generally play comic roles or traumatic are are you is it have you broken the mold then like and why do you think that is the case I don't know like I've enjoyed a very diverse range of roles really I don't know how that's happened it's probably I mean I think it's because I've worked, yeah, predominantly in the theatre and I think good training will give you the skills and interest to kind of attack any, you know, like the challenge of any role is always going to be rather delicious. But, yeah, with this one, I think, yeah, I hadn't really, yeah, I hadn't really played that sort of femme fatale role. Mm. It's very hard to know how you're classified, you know, by other people. I guess I'm just you know, thrilled that I have had the opportunity to play all sorts of roles. Mm. And it's great to kind of flex different acting muscles as well. So to sink your teeth into all sorts of things, it's, yeah, it's it's really fulfilling. Well, it sounds like uh, not so shy anymore. And it, a, a role that sounds like just delightful to play. So much fun. Thank you, Amber McMahon. Pleasure. Thank you so much. It's been lovely to chat with you. And that was Amber McMahon playing... Eve Kendall in North by Northwest and that's playing at the Lyric Theatre just to the first week of April so get along and see it it's previewing now at the Lyric Theatre.